Pushkin. I've interviewed many successful people over the years, and one thing I find fascinating is that many of them don't consider themselves business savvy. Take the owners of Tightknit Brewing. They turn to Chase for business for everything from banking and payment acceptance to credit cards and do all of it in one place with the Chase mobile app. And that's helped these brew-loving friends turn a passion into a business. Learn more at chaseforbusiness.com. Make more of what's yours. Chase mobile app is available for select mobile devices. Message and data rates may apply. J.P. Morgan Chase Bank, N.A. member FDIC. Now is the time to bring new ideas to your industry. And T-Mobile for Business has the advanced 5G solutions to make that happen. We're helping rethink patient-doctor interactions with real-time data sharing. We're tracking carbon with 5G sensors to help fight climate change. We're partnering with cities to connect roadways, cars, and drivers to minimize injuries. Disruptive thinking deserves a disruptive partner. So let's get started on what's next for your business. Step up your innovation at T-Mobile.com slash now. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from The Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. I'm Imogen Westnights, and I wrote The Strange Survival of Guinness World Records for The Guardian, and it's the story of the week. Before we get into today's story, I wanted to hear a related story from you, AJ Jacobs, a constant guest on our show. (laughs) You can't get rid of me. (laughs) We're doing a show about the Guinness Book of World Records, and I know that you have attempted or maybe succeeded, I don't know, in breaking a record. I attempted and did not succeed in breaking a record. Is this hard for me to bring up? Is it painful? There's some scars. There's some mental scars, but I'll go into it anyway. What happened was I was writing a book about assembling the largest family tree in history. As part of the book, I thought it'd be fun to hold the biggest family reunion ever in New York City, invite all 8 billion of my cousins, and try to break the world record, which at the time was about 6,500 people. So I looked into getting it as a world record, and it's, it's very complicated. They didn't make me, but they really encouraged me to hire an adjudicator for a lot of money. Do you remember how much they were asking for? Well, there were different levels, but one of the levels was like $10,000. And you could do it yourself, but it seemed very discouraged to do it yourself. Instead, at the time I hired, a friend had come up with sort of a scrappy alternative to Guinness called Record Setters. He took on Big Guinness. He took on Big Guinness. So I hired him for a much, much smaller amount. It was like 50 bucks. How many people did you invite? Well, again, I invited 8 billion because the premise was... I didn't get an invite? Well, you didn't look in the right places. It was like, on, you know, on my Facebook. You were invited. Believe me. We're you're definitely close. related. Yeah. Yeah, as an Ashkenazi Jew, you're probably like my seventh cousin. We should not marry. Well, I have a section in the book about cousin marriage. It's a complicated moral issue. Oh, we're going to end it there. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. Writing is hard. Who's got that kind of time when you're already busy trying to be 
Joel Stein So he turns on a mic, maybe twiddles a knob Calls a journalist friend who's got an actual job Auditory, single story, just listen to smart people speak Conversation filled with information, it's the story of the week. Imaging West Knights investigated the curious survival of Guinness World Records for The Guardian. Imogen, how did you first get interested in this story? So it was kind of accidental in that I was at the Guinness Storehouse, which is a sort of tourist attraction in Dublin, where you learn about the beer, basically. And there was this room that was out of bounds, you know, but the door was slightly open. And I, I don't know, I just curiosity got the better of me. And I went in there and there was nothing in there except a table which had three Guinness Book of Records on it from 1994, 2012. So I went in there and I was looking at them and I had never thought about the connection between the brewery and Guinness World Records before. And it all kind of went from there. So how did the Guinness Book of World Records start? So it began with an argument, I suppose, that took place in 1951, where the then managing director of the Guinness Brewery, a man called Sir Hugh Beaver, uh, was on a hunting party. And he and his group got in this fight about which was the fastest game bird. And then he had this brainwave that this must happen all of the time. In pubs, people get into arguments. And so if you could put together a book that had all the facts in it and then put it behind the bar, it would help them sell more beer. Do you believe this story? The more I'm listening to you say it, Sir Hugh Beaver, <laughs> right? On a hunting trip. Real. I promise. Really? <laughs> I don't trust these people at all. How did they go about putting a book of records together. So they did it remarkably quickly. I think he decided he wanted to do this in 1954. And the first edition came out the following year. And the people that he went to to do this were a pair of identical twins, eccentrically enough, who ran a fact provision service for Fleet Street's newspapers, which is like where most of the UK's newspapers were based at the time. Um, called... oh, so if you if you needed a fact instead of Googling it, you would call these twins yes. and then for your article. Exactly. So what are these twins? Uh, their names are Ross and Norris McWhorter. Uh, what are they like? Very eccentric. They were sure. a real pair of weirdos by all accounts. I mean, in a good way, in some ways. Although it became their profession to keep records, they were doing it for fun. Since they were really little, they used to keep these scrapbooks where they would write down facts that they learned. That seems adorable, like identical <laughs> twins who are keeping a book of facts. <laughs> yeah, it seems well, also like sounds like a horror of... movie, though, doesn't it? Yes, I think, you know, it's a little yeah. bit The Shining somehow. Mm -hmm. They were odd characters. One of them got murdered by the IRA. Murdered? Yes. Wait, dwell on the murder, please. So he was shot in 1975 by the Irish Republican Army because he publicly offered this reward for any information leading to the conviction of terrorist bombers in Britain. But Norris stayed on at the book until the 90s. Wait, so he was sort of conservative, Very I assume. Very conservative, was... and so was Norris. Like, Norris was one of the first people who was really anti the European Union and went against sanctions against apartheid South Africa. Some, some pretty unsavory... Oh. Yeah. <laughs> and so were they conservative in their choices of what records to put into the... Guinness Book of World Records? There was absolutely no mention of anything to do with sex in the book, no sex records. Which was 
horribly disappointing. I was so into the Guinness Book of World Records when I was like seven, eight years old. I would look and I was like, oh, we have no idea how big the world's biggest penis is. This is right. This is a fact we need. I know. Yeah. You would think that the pursuit of fact would come above his kind of yes. conservative views in that way, but it didn't. It didn't. I probably couldn't have handled the biggest penis. That would have just ended my whole <laughs> social eight, life. No one could have handled it. <laughs> so if there were no penises, what were the records in these very early editions? A lot of them are geographic records, tallest mountain, deepest depression in the Earth's surface, mm. stuff like the highest lifetime yield of a cow for milk. Oh, what what is the highest lifetime <laughs> yield of a cow for milk? God, am I going to remember this? I remember the name of the cow, Manningford Faith Jan Graceful. You memorized the name of the cow? How could you forget Manningford Faith Jan Graceful? Wait, I have it here. It was 325,130 pounds. That's a lot of milk. I can't even picture how much milk that is. That's the wrong way to measure milk in pounds. No one talks about no. how many pounds of milk they have. No, exactly. It's gallons. Who's running Guinness World Records now? Does Guinness still own it? No, no, no. They sold it. I mean, it's changed hands many times. So the editor of the book is a man called Craig Glenday, who has been in that job for over 20 years now, I think. So he's the kind of head honcho and he gets to say what goes in the book and has all this experience over the years and has adjudicated a load of records himself, been all over the world. Um, so he's the man in charge. What's he like? What does he look like? I want to make a comparison to something you won't have seen, which is there was a cartoon in this country called Thomas the Tank Engine that had a character. Well, of course we oh, have Thomas the Tank Engine. I'm so sorry. Yeah, my son had still probably somewhere has a whole box full of Thomas Okay, stuff. but did you have the TV show? Yeah, we did. Right. So there's a character in that called the Fat Controller, who is this like almost spherical man. The, the human. Name, the human. He, Craig Glenday looks exactly like him. Picture that man. That's what he looks like. And so where did you meet with him? I met, well, actually, I met him the first time when I went to see my first record attempt that I ever witnessed, which was um, someone trying to pogo stick over the most consecutive cars Wait, you got to watch this? Yeah, it was great. Was it frightening? Yes. Yeah, I was really nervous for this guy. And also, I wasn't expecting Craig to be there necessarily. I'd just been told they were doing a record attempt and I could go along and watch. But he was there. He was doing the adjudicating himself. Was this pretty serious? Like, was it tense there? Uh, yeah, I mean, it was a strange atmosphere because obviously pogo sticking is like one of the most ridiculous things you can see somebody do. And yet the atmosphere was yes. like very somber and tense because this meant a lot to him. Plus, death is on the line. Yeah, I mean, he so he was kind of bouncing around in this big forecourt at the Olympic Park, practicing, and he did fall over on one of the jumps. So I was. Did you get a couple chances? I think yes. I think he got three chances. Although he did it in the first try, every Guinness record attempt gets three goes. Like, what kind of adventures has the editor Craig Glenday had? He has just been absolutely everywhere. I mean, he said he got stranded for a week in Punta Arenas, which is like on the furthest southern tip of Chile, with the band Fallout Boy. You remember Fallout Boy? I, I know the name. I actually was a huge fan of them, but I'm not going to get into it because it's embarrassing. So he got stranded for a week with the band Fallout Boy in Punta Arenas in the southern tip of Chile because they were trying to fly to Antarctica because they wanted the record for the fastest time to perform a gig on every continent but they couldn't fly because of weather conditions. So he was just stranded there with this band and the locals thought he was a member of Fall Out Boy. And all the Even though he <laughs> looks like the top hat guy from from Thomas the Tank Engine? He could not look less like he was in a popular emo band if he tried. Has like Craig Glenday had 
dangerous experiences? He has. He told me this one story about a time he went to Moscow to adjudicate an attempt of the largest pouring of concrete in history. And he was standing on the side of this huge building site hole in Moscow. And they failed. They didn't get the record because it was too cold. They couldn't pour the concrete. And it was very hard to say no. Oh. He ended up having to give the record and revoking it the next day because he just thought, I actually don't know what's going to happen to me if I'm standing here at the edge of a basically a pre-dug grave and they've got lots of concrete and they seem very angry with me. That's a smart policy to like give it to you in person and then revoke it once you're on the plane. Right, exactly. After the break, Guinness will sell out to an evil dictator. But first, our advertisers are going to try and set a record for the least amount spent for an ad on a podcast. I've interviewed many successful people over the years, and one thing I find fascinating is many of them don't consider themselves business savvy. Take the owners of Tight Knit Brewing. They turn to Chase for Business for everything from banking and payment acceptance to credit cards and do all of it in one place with the Chase mobile app. And that's helped these brew-loving friends turn a passion into a business. Learn more at chaseforbusiness.com. Make more of what's yours. Chase mobile app is available for select mobile devices. Message and data rates may apply. J.P. Morgan Chase Bank, N.A., member FDIC. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City Featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Hey, everyone. It's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for up to half the cost. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Savings based on cost of Consumer Cellular single line 1, 5, and 10 gig data plans with unlimited talk and text compared to lowest cost single line postpaid unlimited talk text and data plans offered by T-Mobile and Verizon January 2024. So... I'm assuming they can't sell many books at this point. People just go online and look at this for free. So how does this company make money? So they twigged this, obviously, with the advent of the internet that people could see sensational things, bright pictures, big facts, big figures, um, just by Googling them. Big giant penises. Giant penises at the touch of a fingertip, yeah. exactly. That's a horrible phrase, unfortunately, but I've used it horrible. now. Um, so they started to kind of diversify. And one of the ways that they did this was that they realized they could offer a kind of... PR brand consultancy type service. So they specifically started catering to commercial clients for record breaking. 
So let's say Ford goes to Guinness and says, we have a new car. We want to put Ford's name in the press somehow, and we'd like to do it by breaking a record. Can you help us come up with a record that would suit us to break? How much does that cost? It starts at £11,000, which is roughly $14,000. This explains all of the crappy publicist emails I'm constantly getting, right? Like this year, Pizza Hut breaks the world's largest pizza record. Like my email box is, is flooded with this crap. Well, someone paid a lot of money for that. Are there moral guide rails on this project, like the Guinness records? Like, will they do healthiest cigarette or like the person who can do the most shots of Jägermeister? Or like a guy who can shoot the most holes in a target shaped like a nun? Like, what are their limits? <laughs> There's some interesting rules about this. You can do a record that puts yourself in danger as long as you consent. What you can't do is a record that puts anyone else in danger. So like you can set yourself on fire, should you choose. You can't set yourself on fire at the post office. And then there's things like they retire records when they start to feel like, eh, we're kind of dicing with some political things we don't want to be doing anymore. Like they used to have one which was largest terrorist organization, which was last awarded (laughs) to Al-Qaeda in 1989. Not physically. that's not fair because... They were never given a certificate, apparently. They've really fallen by the wayside too, Al-Qaeda. They wouldn't hold that now. They're out on their ass. It's, it's almost unfair that they still have the record. Well, it's been revoked. The record no longer exists. I think they eventually were like, I don't think Guinness World Records should really be saying what is and isn't a terrorist organization. Like, that doesn't feel like within our remit. So that one's been scrapped. But don't they, like, work with dictators as part of their consultancy gig where you can bring them in? They have done. They did quite a lot of work with the government of Turkmenistan, between 2007 and last year, I think. And they have a pretty shoddy human rights record. But as it happens, the dictator of Turkmenistan, the then dictator, whose name is Gurbanguly Berdimohamedov. So he is a big GWR fan and he wanted to get them to award some records. So there were things like uh, the city of Ashgabat got the record for the Highest density of buildings with marble white cladding. Uh, and another one... That's such a dictator record. Yes, isn't it? It's all like they giant buildings. They love marble so much. They love marble. And another one was the largest architectural image of a star. I don't know what that means. It's just a really big star they built. And since then, I asked Craig about it and he was like, no, that was actually a big misstep. We shouldn't be... You know, we want to look a little bit more carefully about who we're working with. So... Corporations are paying money to get their dumb records broken so that I get these awful emails from publicists. But normal people like the pogo stick guy are still doing it too, right? Yeah, yeah, no. And what kind of people are they who do this? The adjudicators, I think they receive as many as like 100 requests every day from all over the world about new record creations. And it is just normal people who think they're really good at something. But then there's this class of people who make it almost into a sport in its own right. The person I met who has the most ever had over 700. Oh, that's too many. That's like your life's (laughs) work, right? Is that like your full-time job? It's not his full-time job. So this guy, his name's Ashrita Furman. His birth name is Keith. But he renamed himself uh, because he's a follower of an Indian spiritual teacher called Sri Trinmoy, and they all rename themselves. But he's just a guy from Jamaica, Queens, who runs a health food shop. And so how did he first get into this? So he started following this teacher when he was 16 and 
as part of the teachings that this teacher, they have to do a lot of kind of physical exercises as a means of transcending the body and things like that. So the teacher had signed up his followers for this um, cycling marathon around Central Park. And Ashrita hadn't actually signed up because he was never very athletic and not into that kind of thing. But he went to a meeting with his teacher and the teacher was going around the circle and saying, OK, how, how many miles is everybody going to beat in this race? You know, 200, 300. And then the teacher turns to Ashrita and goes, and you, Ashrita, 400? And he's like, oh, my God, he wants me to do this thing to prove, you know, my worth. And he'd never trained. He had a bike. What? But he'd never cycled any distance before. He went straight home and wrote a will and left all his wealth and possessions to his roommate. And then the following day, he cycled 405 miles around Central Park. And he no. did it by meditating. Yes. And so he got off this bike, legs jelly, and was like, I can break records. He immediately made the connection with the book because he liked the book. I can get in the book. That's like 20, what is it, like 15, 20 hours of cycling? It's a long time. To do it that many times. It's insane. unthinkable. And, you know, with no training whatsoever. So I think Nat, he must have the build for these things naturally. But he said it's not really physical at all. It's all mental. Oh, I don't know. Really? So he says. And so he started breaking records just for fun? Or what was his... He thought this was a really great way that he could promote the message of his teacher and to, like, promote the value of transcendental meditation to a wider audience. I think it's working. Our audience is finding out about it. I think it's a good plan he had. And what's he like as a person? I actually really liked him. He's like very warm to be around, super enthusiastic. I went to see him at his house in Queens and, you know, he's 67 or whatever he is and he looks good. I think the guy does a lot of exercise, really, you know, keeps himself in good health and he just loves records. He loves it. You know, his eyes light up talking about it. Wait, what kind of records does he have? He's got everything. He's got some really oddball ones like rolling an orange the, a mile with your nose the fastest. There's a standing on a yoga ball for the longest time. The fastest mile done like forward rolls. He's got that one. A lot of balancing records, pint glasses on his chin. I'm seeing he won a potato sack race against a yak in he Mongolia. He did, he did, yeah. So he he quite often likes to do them in slightly flamboyant ways because obviously if the point is to create publicity for this spiritual teacher, the more kind of flashy it can be, the better. So he's just looking for records that he can break or he's just has these weird hobbies that, how does this work? So I think it's a bit of both. It's a strategic feat almost more than it is a physical one in that he's really good at identifying what he calls soft records. So a soft record is a record that he thinks hasn't yet been broken to the fullest extent of human capability or like the, a record that you or I, if we had the time and the energy, we could break. Oh, so he's looking around strategically for ones that like a normal human can break. Yes. Is he still breaking records? He is, although less so than he used to, I think partly because of his age and also he's, mm. I think, various things in his personal life. He's got to focus more on this shop that he runs. But he's still really invested in helping other people do it. Did he try and help you break any records? Well, yes, in a manner of speaking. So when I first went to the Guinness offices, they asked me if I wanted to try and break a record while I was there, which I did. And the one that they picked out was standing on one leg blindfolded. 
So. Oh, well, that's just a prank. This is what they do to journalists. <laughs> journalists come in. They're like, would you like to break a record? Here, let me flip through and see what I can find. And then they push me over on the floor. So, yeah, I said, yeah, cool. I'll do that. I mean, guess. How long do you think the record stood at, at the time? <laughs> I'm going to guess like two hours. The record at the time was 32 minutes. And so when I heard 32 minutes, I was like, holy shit, that's actually like not that much. Maybe it sounds like too much though to want to do. <laughs> it should do. I think. I think I was very, very foolish to be like, "Yeah, great. I could. I could definitely get like near that." Well, they were that. pushing you into it. It wasn't they your were. fault. So, okay. I, but I gave this a go. And you get three chances. Wait, so they no, didn't no. give you any training? They're yeah, just... they were just like, "Off you go," because they knew right that I wasn't going to be able to break this record. That's mean. It was mean. So I tried, yeah. and I got up to thirty seconds or something. Just terrible. Really, okay. no good at all. Yeah, that's not great. So I. Tried this record, failed, went home, didn't think about it. But then I was talking to Sharita Furman about this record and he was, and his whole face lit up. And he was like, that's a soft record, classic soft record. 32 minutes is not so long. You could do that if you put in the time. So I was like, okay, really fired up having met this guy. I go home and I start practicing. You know, my housemates think I'm going insane. And I get up to 12 minutes and eight seconds, which is not that bad. I mean, it's not the record, but it's like a lot better. But it was at that point when I got up to 12 that I thought to check, because obviously this is actually like almost a year after I first met Craig and did this attempt. But then I checked whether it had been broken and it had been. So it was now an hour. And... By Furman. I bet Furman no. did it behind your if back. He I encouraged was... you to do it and then he broke it himself. <laughs> if it had been him, I would have been like, fair play. It was wide open. That really? goal. Yeah, he deserves it. Okay. He knows what he's doing. But it was someone else's. But it wasn't him? No, someone in India broke it by loads doubled it it was like an hour and six minutes now so i was really demoralized i was like there's absolutely no way i'll ever get up oh, that sorry, high so yeah. i stopped but yeah he did inspire me to try how much time do you think you devoted to this probably not that long i mean 10 hours maybe total that's a lot in a way <laughs> for that task <laughs> i mean just like a little <laughs> bit every day for a while and what are some of the things that like motivate people to do these things like what are the, the great stories you heard so I think that the one that I heard where I kind of realized what the heart of my story really was, like why it was worth writing about this thing, was the woman with the longest fingernails. Do you remember seeing that picture in the book as a kid? I do. I do. I remember the longest nails the most and the longest hair and the tallest person because they were all, yes. it all shook me a little bit. Almost everyone I asked, and I asked everybody of my acquaintance at the time, like, what's the one you remember? They all said fingernails. I don't know why quite. But why? Was, I think it's because of, you've never seen that before. You don't know, A, what fingernails look like when they grow out that long until you see it. And you're like, whoa. But then also, how do you live? The questions posed by that photograph, like, how do you type? How do you do less salubrious things you do with your hands every day, you know? The woman who does have the longest fingernails now, why did she start this project? So she started it because she used to get her nails done every week with her daughter. And then her daughter died when she was 16. And so she decided never to cut her fingernails ever again. And I just thought that I was just like, I think with so many of these records that seem really wacky and out there and outlandish. In fact, I'd say with all of them, you look behind and you find someone pursuing something that is really meaningful to them. So did you gain kind of a respect for record keepers by the time you finished your story? I think I kind of did. I feel like there was a sort of easy version of this piece that I didn't want to write where it was like, look at these freaks. They're so strange. Yes. I think I always wanted to try and work out what it is that motivated people to do this thing that seems really out there to most people. And yeah, I think for a lot of people, 
they're really proud of it. I know I've kept you a long time, but would you mind if I quickly just tried to stand on one leg? Of course. No, please. I, I, I'm okay. devastated you didn't do it earlier. Right, hold on. Do you okay. have something to wrap around your eyes? Can I just close them? or No, no, want, absolutely not. Whoa, whoa. You became like an adjudicator. Well, What's going look, on? I'm, I, you know, I'm the only person here who's, who knows what the guidelines are. There's a video of me so you can see me. Yeah, yeah. And I've got this tie. That tie will tie. do perfectly. All right. Uh, would someone start the timer? Yeah. Okay. So count down three, two, one, go. Did you bounce around as much as I have? Yes. <laughs> oh. <laughs> That didn't go well. At the end of the show, what's next for Joel Stein? Maybe he'll take a nap or poke around online. Our show today was produced by Kate McAuliffe, Joey Fishground, and Nisha Venkut. It was edited by Lydia Jean Kopp. Our engineer is Amanda K. Wang. And our executive producer is Catherine Girardot. And our theme song was written and performed by Jonathan Colton. And a special thanks to my voice coach, Vicki Merrick, and my consulting producer, Lauren Zelaznik. To find more Pushkin podcasts, listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. I'm Joel Stein, and this is Story of the Week. You were working on this story for a year? Yeah. It took so long. Partly because I was traveling. Is that involved. a record of some kind? It may be. The longest someone worked on a story about the Guinness Book of World Records? <laughs> Finally, I'm sure you have finally, it. my achievement. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Musora is your access to online music lessons for guitar, piano, drums, and singing. You know, I love music, but I haven't picked up an instrument in years. You know why? I tell myself... I don't have time. Where am I going to find a teacher? Well, there's an answer. Musora. Musora is the place where you can learn essential skills and techniques with more than a hundred of the world's best teachers and musicians and thousands of famous songs. You get seven days totally free to try it out. And then it's just $30 per month, less than a single private lesson. Just go to musora.com, M-U-S-O-R-A.com to start a new musical journey today. What's up, y'all? Janice Torres here. And I'm Austin Hankwitz. We're the hosts of Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories, a podcast presented by iHeartRadio's Ruby Studios and Intuit QuickBooks. Join us as we speak with small business owners about the tools they use to turn their ideas into success. From finding that initial spark of entrepreneurship to organizing payments and invoices, we've got you covered. So follow and listen to Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts.